and welcome back to the third episode of AQ Diff. I am one of your two hosts, Stephen Stevenator Figgy, uh, and I'm here with uh, William Armorclass Wolf. Uh, happy we're on episode three now. It seems like it's going well. Yeah, this week. So last week I didn't actually talk about this, but last week I had a sore throat the entire week, and then I came on and did an hour-long podcast. I don't know how I lived, but this week, hopefully, if you noticed any sort of you know raspiness in my voice, that should be gone. Yeah, it was kind of nice that we just had Evan to be able to talk about the Marvel story for a good good bit. <laughs> yeah, we we just let him go on and on while I was like, please save my voice. I still can't believe. It. I'm so glad that made it into the highlight for the the Twitter post. Because I listened to that. Like, it's only like a minute long, but I listened to that a few times. I could not (laughs) believe it. And I mean, this, we'll get into this a little bit later, but this should have been the first week of of the year with all four teams playing matches, uh, which means that we have a lot to talk about. Unfortunately, one of those matches didn't end up going through, which we'll get to later. But uh, for all intents and purposes, everything has officially started up now. So yeah, we're, we're, we're into the swing of things. Yeah, the train is uh, entirely firing all, all pistons and engines going right now. Uh, yeah, I'm just excited to talk about the matches that we had this week and how things are going to be continuing on. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, uh, let's get right into it then. Yeah. For our weekly match report, uh, as usual, we'll start off with Rocket League, who played the most matches as per usual. I don't know how they play this many matches every single week, but they make it work. I mean, so, their games are five minutes long. Yeah, but they're like best of fives. I, yeah, I, I kind of wish we did, but it would take so long. It would take so unbelievable. You'd have to play it over mul- over yeah. like multiple days. <laughs> Can you imagine having like Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and you just play one game each day? <laughs> oh, That'd be Lord. so ridiculous. So they had their weekly nice match, which uh, are just for, for future reference, are almost always streamed and are almost always the most important matches of the week. Unfortunately, they took a 1-3 loss to Missouri Baptist University. Uh, which, you know, relatively close loss. We just couldn't really put the points together, which it happens. Uh, I think that moves us to being one and two overall in NACE, which isn't too bad. We can definitely bounce back. And then we had another one to three loss versus U Ottawa Garnet uh, in our NECC match, which uh, if you remember the past few weeks, we've been playing our NECC activation matches, which is basically, you know, you play a bunch of matches beforehand and then they decide which division to put you in and where you should be placed relative to other teams. And so this was our first actually non-activation match. Uh, We've been placed into a division and now we start our regular season. So we started off with a loss, but hopefully we're able to bounce back from that. For our academy team, they also played their first non-activation match in NECC. They're in a different division than our than our varsity team. And they actually, this isn't one of our highlight matches, but I need to shout out our academy team because they pulled a 3-0 win over Defiance College, which is a team that beat them earlier in their activation matches. So they lost to them in the activation matches, came straight back in the regular actual season matches, and just whooped in 3-0. We were in the room with them when they were playing the match. They were getting super excited. Every single goal, every single match win. They got loud, and it was mm. fun. Whenever teams are winning like that, like even <laughs> if you're in practice or trying to have a, like time to focus, even just the energy itself is so awesome. Yeah. So that those are those are the matches our Rocket League team played. Our Smash team had a zero to one loss versus Davenport, which. I'll talk about a little bit more in detail, but we're getting closer every week. First, it was 0-5, then it was 0-2, now it's 0-1. Maybe next week is the week. True, we're getting there. Although, so another thing, and I saw this last night when uh, Travis and I were talking, and we had another team go against Davenport that's not esports related, and it was our hockey team, Mm. and they went six points to one. (laughs) They got their revenge. Yeah. The hockey, like that's seven points in a hockey game is insane. And and funny to note is that um for anybody who's familiar with our Rocket League varsity team, Stocks, who plays on that team, is actually also a hockey player, and he got a hat trick in last night's hockey game, which is insane. I don't know how you can be that talented at two different things, but actually a goat when it comes to both of them. Like when I I saw that Twitter post and I just went like Travis, there's no way. Like you have to guess this. And he's like, I bet it's. 2-0 or 3-1 and I go nope it's 6-1 <laughs> he's like 6-1 because that's like 
Because I, I equate hockey scoring to like soccer. Mm-hmm. Like like you don't really see a lot of goals. Yeah. And but when you see seven in one game, it's like what happened? <laughs> like we were joking, like AQ had to just pull a goalie and just full send it. <laughs> and they were just like, We don't care if we drop a point. <laughs> and and I mean they only dropped one. So. Yeah, one. <laughs> and then we had our first uh ever whack matches for both uh league of legends and overwatch or at least we should have the league of legends match went through we had a quick 2-0 win versus lords that we'll talk a little bit more about in detail in a second mm-hmm. uh, and then for the overwatch match we were supposed to play against concordia but some scheduling issues and some misunderstandings meant that we didn't end up playing our game that was scheduled for today so i believe that match will get moved to next week uh which i'm sure we'll be covering during next yeah. week's podcast well, I'm sure we'll talk about it a little bit, especially since we have Captain Devin coming on board in a little while. Mm-hmm. Spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> gotta, gotta give little little sprinkles of teasers, you know? So now the highlight matches. All right, so our first one, the League of Legends match, which was really scuffed when it came to Wednesday. <laughs> and then yeah. it got a lot better when we played. So background, we had a, a miscommunication and a roster swap kind of change that went through. And I ended up playing support, and our main support, Travis, or uh, yeah, he instead was casting, because the way C-Law works is you have 48 hours to lock in your roster, and so once you get into within 48 hours of the match, you cannot change your roster. Mm-hmm. So, on Wednesday, we had a miscommunication between both of our coaches, Coach Long and Coach Zoo. Uh-huh. And so they asked me to make a roster change, and things got sh- changed up the way that they wanted it. <laughs> and then there was a miscommunication, and then I ended up playing support for us. Which, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was 2-0. I played Carmeliona, which wasn't bad. But game one was 24 minutes. Game two was 22 minutes. Yeah, which, I, you know, it's not even like an ego thing. It's more of just uh, let's make sure that we're on the right track as a team because we should be able to beat Lords in a good amount of time, uh, just based purely on ranks alone. So I was like, guys, I want to win this series in under 50 collective minutes across the two games. Uh, and we did it. We, we beat them in around 44 minutes, which is great time for a league series. Uh, overall, not too many hiccups in, in our games. Uh, the, both games were streamed and, and casted, like you said, on our, on our Twitch channel. Uh, if you wanted to go watch them, I mean, it, it's a pretty quick watch. Aquinas Esports, yeah. Um, what was it? Evan's mom was like, we request longer games. And Evan <laughs> just responded to the tweet like, sorry, I didn't want your dinner to get cold. <laughs> uh, the unfortunate part about about this match that we had versus Lords is that we, we will not be playing for the next two weeks because we have... Um... We had a bye week, and then we had a forfeit week, and then we play two matches, and then there's another forfeit, and then we play yeah. our final match. So, so the WAC conference has been wacky, to say the least. <laughs> oh my god, I hate that. <laughs> so yeah, I mean that's 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 the league team. See us again in two weeks. Yeah, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna go. What is it? Hyperbolic time chamber in Dragon Ball Z. And then yeah. Come out. The amount of progression that we've had, like, and I hate to say it this way, but we're not really being able to test ourselves to the the extent we wish we could in, in this conference. Yeah. Just or because, at least not in the public eye, is the yeah. Thing. Like, like if you're if you're someone who's watching our league team matches, like you'll see us probably like demolish most of the teams in WAC just because there's a large skill difference in, mm-hmm. in just in ranking alone. But the reality is that if you were to see our practices, like the the quality of games and the amount of improvement going on is so high, but you don't get any of that tension when you're watching our games on stream. So there's part of that that I think is actually really fun for us because it's like every time that we get to showcase our team in public, it's like, let's show people what we're capable of because the majority of our practice and the majority of our, of our improvement as a team and development is happening behind closed doors. Yeah. And something we talked about last night after the games too, like just because we have the skill discrepancies between our team and any others in the WAC conference, we're not playing down. Yeah. Like we're not, we're not being rude and playing some cheese strat or anything like that. We're mm-hmm. performing at the level that we're expected to perform, and we're we're playing the game like, like we don't even know who the enemy is. We're just playing against somebody that it's just yeah. The enemy. No no, no nameplates, no ranks. Yeah, it's exactly. just it's just five players on the enemy team. You got to go in. You got to play your best. Mm-hmm. Like I think one of the one of the worst things that you can do as a collegiate like team and competitor is to like fully showcase your ego and show other teams that you don't respect them whatsoever. Cause I think like, no matter what team you're playing against, like everyone is here to play. Everyone's here to compete. There's no reason to disrespect people just yeah. because you're starting at a higher point than them. Mm-hmm. It's, 
it's nice to see that with Coach Zhu coming in, especially that we're like remaining that that humble level. Yeah, it's not like Coach Zhu came in and he was like, "Oh, these guys are dog trash." You know, <laughs> we're just gonna stop them, play whatever you want. Yeah, our it's our, like, our hey, coach God. is a very like respectful, like humble person. He, ha- I think he has such a great mentality for when it comes to just play style and play ethic. I think mm-hmm. is a good way to put it. And it's yeah. nice being able to have that carried on throughout practice because we could have a coach that absolutely is just disrespectful <laughs> to enemy teams that aren't at the same level. <laughs> yeah. But instead, like, like from one of our practices, and I won't say any names or anything like that, but we, we there was a Discord DM that went through that was kind of like flaming Zoo, like because uh, uh, that scrim partner thought they were gonna whoop us, and then we beat them two one. Yeah. Like we've been we've been scrimming a lot of people recently where I think they go in and they're like. You know, we're, we're just going to dog on these guys and then never have to scrim them again because, you know, they think they're so good. And then we come in and we actually hold our own. And that feels really good because, mm-hmm. uh, at least in league, and I assume this is like this for every other uh, esport, is that, like, you are, you are made by the quality of your scrims and the quality of your scrim partners. So if you establish long-term relationships with other good teams to scrim them on a regular basis, then both teams are going to benefit insanely i mean you look at maryville i'm pretty sure maryville scrims academy teams uh, on the regular because they're just that good Um, they are a crazy college team and i mean they they definitely have earned the right to be scrimming those amateur mm -hmm. teams but it just goes to show that the the better you are the better you are capable of getting like it's it's almost like a not in like a cynical way but in you know a a rewarding way it's it's kind of like the rich get richer kind of situation where the better you are the better scrim quality you're going to have. And as a result, you're going to just keep getting even better than the other teams that you're up against. And I think that's really cool because it benefits those who are on top instead of having them constantly have to fight uh, the people gnawing at their ankles. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, uh, to, to move on to a match that was not as much of a blowout and was the epitome of close, it could not have been closer. Uh, the smash team played against Davenport this week. Uh, we're, we were currently 0-2 uh, overall record going into this week uh, with two prior losses in, in the in the weeks before this. And we ended up losing 0-1. to It was down to the very last stock of 12 stocks on each team. Uh, bo- both players had one left at the end of the game. Uh, it was almost an incredible last game comeback for Jamal because he actually went into the last game with only one stock uh, against the enemy's three. And he almost got rid of all three and was able to clutch it out, but just barely wasn't able to close it out. Uh, I actually played this week, which I haven't been playing the past few weeks for Smash, but I got subbed in because I've been practicing a little bit of extra and I've been focusing on characters that do very well in that kind of environment. I don't think I did very well. I mean, I did okay. I didn't I didn't choke or anything, but our overall distribution of the amount of stocks that everyone on our team took was a lot more promising this week than than the than our past weeks, I think. Cuz it's always discouraging to see like, oh, Christian Z Demon Cake took 7 stocks and we still lost. Cuz that kind of sucks. But this week it was, you know, I took 2, which is you want to aim to take 3 because if you if everyone takes 3 then you just win. Uh, but I took 2 and then everyone else took 3. Uh, Tim went in and took three. Christian went in and took three. Jamal went in and took three. And almost everybody who went in had like a last stock, like whoever gets this hit earns an advantage for their team kind of situation. So it's one of those where if I had clutched out my last stock scenario, if Tim had clutched out his last stock scenario, if Jamal had clutched it out, stuff like that, then it would have changed whether or not we won. And even though it sucks that now we move on to being 0-3 and our playoff chances are definitely stunted by that loss, it's definitely we're, we're improving every week and it's looking more and more promising. Yeah, I've seen the Smash Team girl like that. I actually didn't even know that you were playing until I saw the <laughs> uh, the tweet out about it, and so I quickly tried to see if I could find the bot for it. Yeah, I, I went in first. I uh, it's always hard to go in first in crew battles. It, yeah, it's hard to go in first and it's hard to be the anchor because when you go in first, you don't know what you're playing for and you kind of want to try to set your team ahead so that you can carry that momentum for the rest. And unfortunately, I wasn't able to do that. And obviously, if you're the anchor, it's all the pressure. Like you could, like you're the ringer. Like yeah, you, if, you, if you're you, out, you guys lose. Yeah, you are the last defense. Yeah, uh, I I love that format though. It's so it makes for such interesting games. Uh, these were streamed on on our Twitch channel. Uh, no commentary, but but game sound and player cams, which is something that you don't really get for the rest of the games that are streamed, which I think is really interesting. Yeah, it's kind of unique. It, 
I, I, I like seeing that we're doing different styles when it comes to streaming for some mm-hmm. of our games. It just makes it feel like it's a little more authentic. Like, you get a lot more player interaction with Smash, and then, like, with League, you have a lot of caster interaction. Yeah. Like, and then I know we have webcams now for, for uh, streaming, so you mm-hmm. used to see the, the casters actually talk and look at each other rather than just being disembodied voices across the internet. We said it last week, and we'll say it again. It's never been a better time to be a, a fan of Aquinas Esports because our production has gone, like, through the roof in the last few months. Yeah, Coach Long and Palm have been absolutely, like, blessings when it comes to just elevating our production and quality as a program. All right. Uh, so those, those are the games we played this week. Uh, a lot of interesting ones. It'll only get more interesting from here because now as of next week you know provided no reschedules and i guess the league team won't have a match because we have a bye but everyone is into their season at this point yeah yeah and with two weeks being gone for league team we currently have two people now in gm for league and so now we get to see what happens in the next two weeks if they stay in gm well the disclaimer being (laughs) that's a lie because morgan has actually already fallen out of gm that's true okay was he was he GM when we played our game last night? No. So what happened was the day before our game. So Thursday. The Thursday, Morgan hit Grandmaster for the first time this season. Which, for those of you who aren't familiar with the league ranking system, Grandmaster equals top 1,000. Uh, it's the second highest rank that you can achieve. The highest is Challenger, which is limited to top 300. So Grandmaster is a big achievement. Both me and Morgan were able to hit it last season, but it's been kind of a struggle to get back there this season, even though the season hasn't been going for very long. So Thursday, Morgan hits it uh, and, and you know, tweets it out. Our Twitter account retweets it. Uh, the next day, I'm like, okay, I can't let Morgan get too far ahead. And also, he's now opened the gates for me to get into Grandmaster since I've been stuck this whole time. I get Grandmaster, but on the same day that I get Grandmaster, Morgan loses like three games, drops out of Grandmaster, and the way that the leaderboard that high up in League works is that it updates periodically at like 3 a.m. every night or something. So at 3 a.m., I go up, Morgan goes down. The two of us can't be in GM at the same time, but it's still a good achievement that both of us hit it. He didn't open the gates. You, like, leashed off of his power. <laughs> you just, like, stole it. Just like, oh, this is mine now and swapped ranks. <laughs> I hit him with the position reverser. Yeah, <laughs> Uno reverse card. <laughs> <sighs> That's too I mean, funny. Well, see, I, I love I love seeing, uh, you know, I'm not just saying this because it was me this time, but I love seeing when, uh, when you know, people in the program hit new ranks on the leaderboards. I mean, earlier this season, uh, I'm sure we'll talk about this in the interview, but Devin and Parker also hit top 500 at, like, the exact same time, kind of like me and Morgan. I swear there's something there where, like, if your teammate hits something, then immediately after you're like, I can't let them get too far ahead. I think it's unironically that thing that Adam told us last year where it's like you're only your team's only as good as your strongest player or like mm-hmm. the level. And so like when when someone has gotten to the next level, it's like, oh, we can too. Boom. Yeah. It's like suddenly you realize like, oh, if, if my teammate can get there, then obviously I can too. And then you just magically get there in like the next week. It's either like competitive nature or like I need to make sure my team understands that I'm with them. And then everyone rises with that, <laughs> which I, I, either way, whatever one it is, it works. Mm-hmm. And our other sad piece of news for the week <laughs> uh, is that Coach Long's uh, esports org, Armada, which for those of you who don't know, our, our our head coach, Coach Long, has been for the past you know two months, ever since he came to AQ, he's been running both this organization, Armada, which sponsors mainly Smash players, um, at the same time that he's been doing his, his stuff for AQ. So it's been a lot of work, and uh, at him and his partner who have uh, been running it just don't have the time anymore and so they officially discontinued armada esports their organization and coach long announced that he's going to be focusing on collegiate full-time which is you know good for us i guess (laughs) but also kind of sad because you hate to see you hate to see another org enter the the esports amateur scene graveyard yeah it's (laughs) I remember reading, like, the... It wasn't really a tweet longer. I think it was, like, two posts together. Mm-hmm. But just seeing that and, like, the image along with it, it was definitely a little depressing. Like, like you were saying, it's it's bittersweet. It's nice because uh, the man that helped build Armada to what it is is now yeah. committing full-time to the Aquinas program. Yeah. But it's also the fact that, like, he started that. Like, him and his partner started that and worked on it for a while. Mm-hmm. And now they're, they're laying it to rest. And it's a piece of history, a piece of esports history that, you know, I say like the, the org graveyard, but there really is like 
depending on when you played in certain games, you can name like 10 to 20 organizations that were around and were at the top. And then they just, you know, for whatever reason, it's a, it's a frail industry. So yeah, uh, either people get other jobs or the, the business model just doesn't work for them. And they end up, they end up having to shut down their organ. It's sad. It's all, it's sad every time. I'm putting my Phoenix one hat in a glass box. <laughs> That's a showcase piece. Yeah, but Phoenix One is Sentinels now. That, that's the that's the good part. They are Sentinels now. Sometimes but... dead orgs turn into better orgs. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> but I'm still not happy. I like Phoenix One was so much cooler than Sentinels to me. <laughs> it's the changing of the guard. Yeah, that's true. And I miss Winter Fox, but I think they became EG, EG NA. Or ah, uh, EG definitely already existed. No, they already existed, but I think EG bought the North American mm. Winter Fox and just absorbed that into right. NAEG. Right, yeah, because EG, EG for League was originally a European yep. team. Yeah, I think you're right. Is Element still a thing? No, absolutely okay. not. I haven't heard that name in years. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. It's it's interesting because uh, one of the things that I'll say about the Armada Armada situation is that it kind of mirrors, uh, if any of you are familiar with, with Cody, who's Northwood's uh, director of esports, pretty much the same pathway. Where uh, he actually, you know, it's a long story, but he ran an organization named Fable that sponsored me to play a game called Brawlhalla way back when. And then eventually when he got into collegiate, you know, Fable wasn't around anymore for whatever reason. So it, there's some theme here with uh, with collegiate directors having a history and running their own like amateur level organizations and then moving on to running a program. Because didn't Clarky do stuff with with an amateur org too? I thought he did stuff with I Enemy. I think so. I, I literally remember. Yeah, no, he he made the the first logo for Enemy, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. Because he made he made the acronym for it, and then that's mm-hmm. when the logo and all that came about. So so there's 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 connection there. If if you're looking to become a collegiate director at any point, I mean maybe maybe amateur and making your own org and kind of testing the waters through that avenue is, is where you got to go. I mean, it has to be like a really good like resume. If you're applying to a college position, it's like, yeah. Hey, I ran a company for this. <laughs> I can run a school program. Like these kids have to be. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. No contracts necessary. Well, kind of, kind of, I mean, kinda. there's player contracts and all that stuff, but that's, but a, whole, not, that's yeah. a whole, that's a whole different thing than like getting paid. Like it's, it's instead of getting paid, you get a scholarship sometimes. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, there's there's our weekly uh, our weekly rundown. That's everything that happened this week in uh, in AQ Esports, which means that it's time for maybe everyone's favorite segment. I don't know. I haven't. I don't know what people's favorite segments are. Are we allowed but... to do polls? We could probably do a poll. Maybe <laughs> but there's... it's my favorite segment. Is what that's I'll say. That's true. It's uh, nice having it. Uh, so we here with us we have Devin Jones who goes by the name Pico Online. Uh, he is a top 500 support player for the Overwatch team. Usually the highest ranked player. You trade back and forth with Parker though, uh, if I'm not wrong. Uh, I usually so whenever we play ranked we duo. So I'm usually sitting like a hundred ish SR above him, and we move up and down at like the same increments. So okay, that makes sense. I'm cheating a little bit. Yeah, you're but cheating because you know that you'll never, <laughs> if you always do it with him, he'll never be above you. Mm-hmm. you so, uh, interestingly, you are also the coach of the Overwatch team at the same time, which mm-hmm. is an interesting relationship that we're gonna have to talk about. Uh, you transferred from GRCC to Aquinas during the fall of 2020, mm-hmm. uh, and I've been told that you were a golfer in high school and initially started playing Overwatch on the PS4 before switching over to PC. I did. I put a lot of time into PS4 Overwatch. I was one game out of GM on PlayStation, uh, ended up getting a PC soon after, and then just solo queued my way all the way up over the course of like a year and a half. So I know people always talk about with uh, with FPS games, you know, console console GM is silver on PC. Like, was the transition for you hard at all, or? Um, it was challenging, but it was more so because I had never played an FPS on PC before. I had all of the game knowledge from playing on console. Mm-hmm. It's essentially this, it is the same game, literally. It's yeah. just a bit slower. So it was just a matter of translating that into what characters I'm playing, the situations I'm in. Yeah. Um, so it, it did transfer a lot, but I did go from a top one-ish percent player on console to gold when I placed <laughs> on PC. So I flew so up pretty quick. Curve. But yeah, it, it was also a bit tough because I played uh, Cassidy. I was a Cassidy mm-hmm. man on controller, which is all aim, all yeah. hitting shots. <laughs> and then I get to PC and I've never used a mouse and key to play, to shoot somebody before. So it's just like, well... I had to reform all of my pathways in terms of like getting your muscle value. memory. Yeah, so I went from like Soldier Cassidy being like my main two to like Lucio 
Reaper Moira, mm-hmm. and I just tried to learn backwards. Essentially, it was like uh, it was like learning how to walk when you already know how to run. It was yeah. weird. It it's weird. like it's like your brain knows what you can do, but your fingers can't do it yet, and that can be really frustrating for a lot of people. Oh yeah, I mean, no. I'm someone who. When I played Brawlhalla, I played on controller for three years, and then I was like, screw this, I'm done dropping inputs, I'm going to switch completely to keyboard. And it was like, I knew exactly what I needed to do to win, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> I'm like, I can't even perform the things with my fingers that my brain knows to do. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a lot of that for sure, because... <laughs> I mean, uh, all of the damage breakpoints are the same. It's like, okay, I know if I hit two headshots here on this character, I'll kill them. And on console, with the aim assist and just with like the years of playing like Call of Duty and a bunch of other FPS games, just mm-hmm. with my friends casually, I, I knew that I was capable of hitting those shots on uh, on console. But again, switching to PC, it was a whole new world. I didn't know where to put my crosshair. I didn't even know what my crosshair should look like. I didn't know... Um, it, it was just a matter of, of again, just started from frame one. It was a very interesting experience. See, that's such a fascinating contrast because it's like you were a console player who came to PC and didn't really wasn't as familiar with how to aim and how to mechanically do everything on PC. Meanwhile, Parker, who is the most similar in rank to you, was you know as far on the other side of the spectrum as possible because he was a cs player who mm-hmm. already had everything aim related and then he switched to overwatch right yeah yeah <laughs> he um i believe he had four to five thousand hours logged into csgo um crack csgo <laughs> player uh initially committed to a different school to play cs but ended up coming here and we don't have a cs team so mm-hmm. um adam the head coach at the time was like oh you know our overwatch team is looking for some subs mm-hmm. have you ever played so you know, Parker tries out as a gold player <laughs> with 4,000 hours in CS. And um, I mean, he just, it's just working at it. That's the biggest thing. You could, it doesn't matter where you come from. If you put the hours in and you're intentional about really trying to improve on a game to game basis, then it doesn't matter who you are, where your aim, what your aim is like, what your game sets is like, uh, you'll be able to put it together eventually. Yeah. And I mean, for anybody listening in and like, if you're aspiring to reach a higher rank in whatever game you play, like you just heard it here from Devin that both him and Parker, the two top 500 players on our Overwatch team, both started in gold. So yeah. <laughs> gold is the root of all of all good and evil. You know, everybody starts somewhere. Everybody starts somewhere for sure. Okay, I I, I want to kind of like pick your brain about what ha- what are some specific difficulties that you've run into uh, in being both a player on the team and also the coach of the team at the same time? Well, I, I would say that um, initially, last semester was my first semester kind of pulling double duty. So I went from only having to worry about myself and playing and, you know, showing up on to practice to scheduling practices, you know, staying in touch with everybody's schedule, getting that organized, uh, um, scheduling scrims and scheduling matches with other coaches, having to deal with everybody's schedule again in regards to uh, potentially rescheduling matches. And I just started to lose track of my in-game ability. So mm-hmm. I would uh, Overwatch at the highest level is very much um, if you don't use which if you don't use your skills, you lose them. Yeah, you know, you don't use it's it, a you muscle. Use it. You got to work it out. Pretty much. So uh, I just started slipping a bit in terms of like my own gameplay and then you know when i'm doing all of this for our team like my grades started to slip the classes seemed to just start to just be a little bit more overwhelming and it just started to be a bit too much um in terms of just the overall workload making sure that i did a good job at all of my things was just starting to add up on me yeah uh, over time in terms of stress but you know i think i got a, a parker stepped in again with his 4,000 plus hours of CSGO, he's played on a lot of teams. He started helping me uh, schedule scrims and stuff, so we kind of took care of that. And Coach Long came in. That was a big thing as well, is that um, when I started last semester, when I was first named coach, um, the first two months of my time as coach of the Overwatch team, we had no director. Mm-hmm. Um, this semester, with uh, Riley being here from the start, um, he has helped me a lot in terms of just scheduling. He did all of the scheduling for the WEX uh, conference this semester, so I haven't had to worry about that at all. Uh, he has helped me coordinate everybody's schedule. He's kind of gotten – we've ran all of our schedules through him, and then he reports to me, and then we work on practice schedules, match times, things like that. So um, initially I was 
trying to do it all by myself, uh, but building that support system of, okay, what can I delegate? What should I take care of? And then all of the in-game stuff starts to line up, and then everything else just you know seems like a breeze in comparison. Yeah, and I'd, I'd love to let you hop in now, Will, to speak a little bit on this, because, I mean, I can let you tell the majority of it, but Will had a very similar experience at the beginning of this semester when we had no director, and when the league team had just lost their individual coach as well. Yeah, it was kind of a lot. <laughs> like, uh, so I was running scrims and all that, and then it kind of came down to an unfortunate position for myself. Because I kind of ended up being the guy that had to make like the final decision for certain aspects of things, which feels really bad as a as a peer. Yeah. Because because <clears throat> I'm not a coach, and I'm most certainly not the best player on the team, but when it comes to leadership, like I can step up and and handle it and take care of things. But there are caveats with that, and so like last semester we didn't have, you know, coach Anter left, and we didn't have a lead coach. You know, Adam went to. What is it, University? Florida Southern? Florida Southern, that's what it is. And then Coach Jay went to Columbia. Columbia. And then, so it's just us. And now we have, we had a, a, a full 10 program, and then Ethan left, I think, and then we had to get a walk-on. Yeah. And we kind of didn't really touch that aspect for a while. But we did try to get scrims going and all that for both, uh, both sets of teams. And so... When it came to us running the second team, I was trying to have someone else take care of that. And at the time, if I'm not mistaken, I was I was kind of bouncing back and forth between team A, team B, mm -hmm. and with Brett. And I remember being B team, setting up scrims for A team, and then messaging at the time Julian. I was like, hey, do we have B team scrims tonight or not? Because I never knew. Because yeah. I asked him if he could handle it and run the second like gangster scrim account and all that stuff. And so then it became a giant hassle of me being like, okay, I got scrims set up for A team. What am I doing tonight? Is it homework night? Nope, I have to work. All right, wait. Oh, there's scrims tonight. Shit. Let me go, you know, talk to. Let me go talk to my work and see if I can change my days real quick. Mm -hmm. And so, it gets rough. Yeah. It gets rough being a student. That's an athlete. That's also trying to be, like, a leadership like yeah coach figure. Like, like if I wasn't like if if my role was just just set up as manager, but I still had everything like everything attached to it. I just wasn't playing. Yeah. It's a lot different story. Yeah. But when I'm like fighting for starting spot, and then managing all the practice it, that goes into that. Yeah, there's all the practice that goes into that. All the time spent in solo queue and scrims and all that. And then also like I have to set aside my own you know my own bias if I'm the right choice for the position or not. Yeah, which is not. Not something that anyone should ever be forced to do, and I think if there's if there's one thing that uh, any other collegiate player should take out of this discussion, which I think is honestly one of the most important discussions that we've had on this podcast so far, it's that like don't try to do everything yourself. Like like Devin said, the support system is really important, and I think a lot of players have probably run into the same pitfall where they're forced into a position where they have to be both a player and a coach at the same time as being a student and that doesn't even factor in any of you know the other relationships that you're maintaining in your life in your in your life and all of the other commitments that you have like it it is i am willing to say that it is too much for one single person no matter who you are uh so i very much so warn against taking on that um that kind of obligation in that kind of position without having a proper support system set up and people to to help you out with that yeah it it gets really difficult when you're kind of on your own like that because mm -hmm. there's definitely times where you feel like you're the enemy but you know there's there's decisions that you have to make because because no one else is making them mm -hmm. and so it's leave, left to ambiguity and then you're sitting there and you're like i know i'm gonna look like the bad guy for some but it, it, we have to do it if we want to stay successful as a program mm -hmm. like our our weeks leading into hue fest were a mess <laughs> like everything just felt so like there yeah. was so much tension and just felt like we were either going to like explode from it or just like take three weeks away from each other and then you know come back to marriage counseling <laughs> and on that joyful note will <laughs> uh, i would like to move on to our two recurring questions that we ask everyone mm -hmm. uh, on on these interview sections uh the first of which is where does your screen name come from well Pico. um so i am named after a pokemon um one of the first games I remember playing, and one of my favorite games ever, is Pokemon Emerald. Uh, one of my fondest memories as a kid is I got it. I got the little Game Boy Advance cartridge, 
uh, on Easter, and I popped it in my mom's Game Boy Advance, played it, and I couldn't read. <laughs> so uh, there was a section at the beginning where you had to set the time, mm-hmm. and it won't let you leave the first room unless you set the clock. But the clock is like a four pixels wide spot on the wall so i kept trying to leave the room and i couldn't do it so uh fast forward a couple years i come back i can read now uh and congratulations yeah i started playing the game and there's uh, about just before the first gym badge there's an old man getting ran up on by one of the grunts from the evil team he has a little wingle and the wingle's name is pico and when i was picking a name my name used to be nafam uh, that's, that's the name that I chose when I was like 14, 15. I feel like everybody has that first name. And uh-huh. yeah, you know, I hit a point where I was like, you know, I don't know if that's um, what I want to go by. Or you future. don't want to know what my PlayStation name was. It's, uh, dude, it's, was... Real, it's really edgy and stupid. <laughs> Every, everybody starts there. So I was making that first shift of like, okay, so maybe I don't want to go by that. So I was picking a name and I'd never seen anybody with the name before. You know, I thought it was representative of, you know, my childhood where I started out. And also just a cool little reference. Like every... 50th game I hop into somebody's like oh are you named after the wingle from Pokemon? and I'm like yeah so that's Bro, always wait, people actually know this yeah, yeah. that's crazy I, every every once in a blue moon I get the name gets recognized so it's, it's just that's actually cool little callback and you know something I thought was pretty unique damn I feel like the uh the variation of name origin stories that we're going to get on here is so funny to me because you're like, you know, yeah, it comes from this game from my childhood that I have fond memories of. And then you bring Evan on and he's like, it's my last name backwards. (laughs) (laughs) And both of them sound great. That's the best part. The best part is that, you know, most people's names that they, they find a place, uh, you know, in whatever game they play, regardless of where the, the name origin story comes from. Uh, the second question is, what is your single most memorable experience so far from competing in esports at Aquinas? Ooh. Um, I would say, uh, I don't remember what semester it was. I think I've been here. This is my third or fourth semester competing. Um, one of my fondest memories was I was playing in a map. I couldn't even tell you what tournament it was in. Um <laughs> Uh, we were the first couple of seasons that we played we were very heavily underrated because parker was sitting in gold masquerading as a masters player <laughs> um i was igling uh, when i joined the team i was sitting about four to five hundred sr below my peak so i was kind of smurfing it a bit mm-hmm. i didn't really care too much for ranked and what that led to was a lot of teams underestimating us and then um in the first couple tournaments that we played in through activision blizzard collegiate we had a lot of upsets, and there was just one in particular. Um, Overwatch maps tend to go quicker, mm-hmm. and that tournament is a um, best-of-three format. So we surprised them in the first map. We take the first map in. Um, the second map, I believe we were playing on Volsky Industries, and um, it was just we start losing first point, and it's like, man, you know, this isn't going well, but we're just kind of giving space. We're giving space. They're pushing us back, and... All of a sudden, um, it's just Parker and I alive on the point. And I have, I'm on Brig, he's on Zarya. Mm-hmm. And we just kind of realize it's like, oh, it's winnable. And I ult, I get Parker into position, Parker ults, and we team wipe at 2v4, and we just <laughs> pop off. It was so <laughs> sick. And unfortunately, the, the VOD doesn't exist anymore. I have no footage of this. Um, but in terms of like sitting down and competing with my, my friends and my teammates, that was such a sick moment. And I think I'm going to. I'm definitely going to hold that with me forever, you know, as I go on beyond. Thank you. I swear, it always feels like the the most memorable or the, the hypest moments of everyone's careers, never on camera. Never, yeah. never <laughs> footage. There was, the recording got corrupted. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> all these, all these things where it's like, I swear this was the sickest play of all time, but it only exists in my head and I can't properly even convey the excitement of the moment to you. Mm-hmm. But like as someone who's competed, like I feel that, you know, I mean, that was, that was the momentum boost that we needed to just snowball the rest of the map and eventually the series. And just again, like those upsets when <laughs> nobody even knows who you are mm-hmm. and you're coming in as like a plat average team scrimming up where we're playing low masters teams and we're taking games and eventually sets off of them. And it just feels so good. Yeah. Those, those winning moments of like, okay, when you finally see the light at the end of the tunnel, cause you get in lot, you get in the lobby and it's like, okay, 
we're going to play our game, but we don't know how this is going to go. But once you see that that last, that, that opening thread of that's it, we win two more fights, the game is over. We clutch this fight. You know, their mental is broken. We get the next one. We clean up. The game is over. Is is so rewarding. Yeah. Um, just, yeah. I think the better you get, the more appreciation you gain for how fun it is to be an underdog. Mm-hmm. It really is. I mean, it's 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 thrilling to be to be the expected loser in every single match that you go into and just defy expectations. It's so fun. Well, like the underdog like storyline is always <clears throat> like you know underdog versus giant conglomerate or however you want to put it. Yeah, and then when the underdog takes a game or gets an edge, every everybody in the crowd's like, wait. <laughs> Do they have a shot? And then everybody like immediately bandwagons. Like even if the, they were for the original, like the, the big winning team first, they're like, oh my gosh, the underdogs, this is hype. Go, go, go. <laughs> everybody bandwagons so hard on underdogs. And I think that's the best part of it is because then you have a, like, like in St. Louis, we had a crowd to support us there. And having that energy like makes competing for at least for me it makes it so much more fulfilling mm-hmm. as being able to just be like we showed up and people now understand who we are yeah like people are like oh we should keep an eye out if this roster stays the same or just gets improvements like that's hype yeah kind of like putting yourself on the map yeah I, the, the last question i have before we move into our uh, miscellaneous topics section uh that just popped into my head is like do you have any experience playing on LAN um, like with a crowd like the type of situation that you'll hopefully, you know, be playing in during the, the WAC finals that we have uh, hosted at AQ? Yeah, I have played one LAN tournament ever. I was maybe 16 at the time, and um, a, a friend of mine used to run the esports program, or which was a club at the time up at CMU. Um, they were hosting a big all-day tournament. They had a Smash tournament running, a League tournament running, and an Overwatch tournament running. And I, I didn't really know anybody. Again, mm-hmm. I wasn't. I was in high school at the time. I just kind of showed up to support my friend and his brother. And um, I just entered the Overwatch tournament as a walk-on. There was maybe four teams, and the team that I ended up getting placed on was their varsity roster. So I was. <laughs> Basically getting uh, deadlifted by their A team. <laughs> they just needed a support player to fill out the roster. Um, but I did get to go up on stage and play in front of a crowd, and um, uh, we did end up winning. Although I will admit that I did not contribute the most. <laughs> um, you know, I got a nice little plaque, got a nice picture. So, uh, but yeah, I have nice. I have played in LAN once. That was my only LAN experience. That's exciting that it'll be the first time since you were like 16. Uh, mm-hmm. playing on land when when those finals are around it's something that i'm so excited for both for myself and for every other team a dub it, is a dub special we talk about it all the time mm-hmm. land tournaments the meat and potatoes like of, uh, of all east the rocket league one was so fun yeah like i just remember sitting in the bleachers and seeing like, i think they had like six six stations set up and it was just awesome seeing the players like you could kind of see on the tiny screens that weren't on the projectors you could just see players get like amped up or like almost defeated when when they lost a point but you saw like almost like the physical process of them rebooting and getting ready for the next part mm-hmm. it's just it's it's just too wonderful to experience in person like if you watch like lcs they have player cams and that only goes so far like yeah. you can see facial expressions but you don't see like body language or interaction between teammates it, it's it's something that's it's i mean it's nothing that can be seen i think i think it's legitimately an energy like in the air like it sounds cheesy and everything but like when you're there like you feel something in the air, and that's something that you can't feel when you're when you're playing online or when you're watching an event, not in person. Mm-hmm. See, you put it like that, and now I just think that every person that's in a LAN area is just a Tesla coil. <laughs> you see the electricity like bouncing off everybody. I mean, that's kind of what it's like. I like that analogy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of my uh, one of the fondest, I guess not fondest, but one of the strongest memories I have from that tournament was, um, again, the result was a bit of a foregone conclusion. <laughs> so it wasn't so much winning, but. There was a moment where um, the one, the only A team player on the team that wasn't playing like with the starters was just messing around with some friends, mm-hmm. and that was where he was. So I take his spot, right? <laughs> and I walk out of the spawn doors on a map, and he's just sitting in the corner. And I immediately get instant widow headshot within three <laughs> seconds of the game starting, and I'm just like, 
I just look out to the crowd to my right, and everybody's like, <laughs> so I'm sitting on stage like, <laughs> like uh, but I, I'm really excited to be able to experience that again at the end of our WAC semester season. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. Well, uh, you know, we're fortunate enough that Devin is going to be sticking on with us uh, to talk about these two topics that we got lined up today. The first of which is something that admittedly uh, myself and Will are not as experienced or uh, qualified to speak on, but I still think our opinions you know, have value and have weight, which is diversity in esports. And I think we're talking primarily about racial diversity because uh, in terms of, I mean, women in esports is a whole different issue and one that we're going to bring on some of our uh, female players to talk about for sure in the future. Uh, but just in terms of racial diversity in esports, I mean, I can say that when I watch the LCS, uh, I mean, Afromu is like the sole black player in the LCS. Uh, everybody else is either Asian or white. And you mm-hmm. see a lot of the same trends in collegiate esports. I can say that when we went to Gateway Legends and to Hughfest, the two LAN tournaments that we've been to for League, I don't think I saw anybody who was outside of those two, you know, yeah. ethnicities there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something that uh, you're speaking. It's funny that you, when you were introducing me, that you mentioned that I used to golf in high school. Uh, it was very much the same situation there, where um, I went to a, a more racially diverse high school, but a lot of the schools in our conference, uh, their entire teams would be one ethnicity um and it would just growing up in that environment and then transitioning to esports i think helps me but i know that um it's hard when you don't see role models that you know come from the same places as you and you know, they don't look like you playing at the highest level uh it's just it's something that i feel like a lot of people don't consider but it's it's something that is very important and it's something that pushes me personally you know when i'm grinding in my off time i i want to be able to to look back during my time as a collegiate player and, you know, maybe somebody who is familiar with me or so who comes from, you know, my high school who knows of, of me or one of the high school players that I had the privilege of coaching, um, you know, in my summer, the last summer opportunity that I had coaching over at Rockford High School. I just want to be able to give somebody uh, just I just want to be able to be a role model for somebody in that I'm playing and I'm actively living out being in a position where I can play in front of a crowd, you know, for a high school or, or excuse me, for a collegiate team. And you just kind of be that role model for people. Cause mm-hmm. I feel like that's something that, um, esports is a bit lacking in at the moment. And man, I just like, I love having you on and having your perspective because that's something that in my personal brain, like having like a lack of those, of those people to look up to and say like, this person looks like me, this person you know, I, I associate with the, this person's background and this can be me if I work hard enough and not having that person is something that I had never thought of before in why diversity in esports is such a big issue. And to go off on a slight tangent, like I have an English background, I'm majoring in English writing and something that we talked about in a few of my literature classes is basically that like the common core of literature for a long time that is taught in high schools has consisted of white straight authors uh, like it, white straight male authors, uh, and it has been very undiversified in the amount of story in the in the type of stories that are being told and by who. Uh, and over time, there has been a shift to trying to incorporate because you have you know students who don't come from that background, and it's like, what does this do for me? Like mm-hmm. as as a high school student reading all of these stories about people who I don't associate with at all, like how does that benefit me at all? And so over time, there's been a shift to try to bring in different types of cultures, different types of backgrounds into that kind of common core literature. And I think we need to see the same shift over time in esports to really see the type of diversity that we would like to. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, that shift is a very important one in that uh, setting the groundwork now really opens up the freedom for people who may not have been comfortable in this space uh, as it was five to six years ago, would be comfortable now, you know, coming to play for a collegiate team, being in this environment constantly. Um, just creating those safe spaces for people of any background is just of the utmost importance. And I think um, game, esports culture in general, not necessarily esports, but gaming as a whole, mm-hmm. can be a bit toxic. Yeah. So I feel like as a community, um, we have a unique opportunity to build something that is incredibly diverse and where things stand now 
I feel like we could all be doing a better job of like creating those safe spaces that makes yeah. sure everything's you know equitable for everybody. It's really weird that with how gaming is, there's a lot of I guess like awkward gatekeeping. Yeah. Because everyone has a screen name and everyone hides behind you know is able to hide behind a character and all that. Mm-hmm. But it, but still people get singled out so quickly. Yeah. And it's it's so it's so difficult to talk about this for me just because I have I've not experienced any of this so I can't yeah, really I mean, relate you know, for for context like I know we don't have video but like me and Will are both straight white guys like we, yeah. we fit the the white uh, guy majority hair, to brown, a T brown, brown hair brown eyes yeah like, like very very basic clean fr- like, from a standpoint of cut. diversity the best that I can try to do is try to like understand and do my part to yeah. make it easier to have a diverse space. Exactly. Honestly. Yeah. And so experience wise, it's hard for us to speak, but I'll let you continue. Will. Well, like, so something that I was thinking about earlier when you were talking about, um, like safe spaces for one and then the other part, um, I remember going to see Shang-Chi with Travis. And I remember at the end of the movie, he was like tearing up because that was like big Asian representation that was taking things from like, like Jackie Chan movies and the classic, you know, Asian culture movies and putting them into a, you know, a large blockbuster Marvel movie. And for him, that was huge. Mm-hmm. Like he's like, that was his representation now being shown on such a, a huge platform. And so like, like Travis getting teary eyed made me teary eyed. Cause it was, it was, it was, I of course will never be able to experience Travis, like how he felt towards that movie. Yeah. But I can see my, the friend who I cherish and love, like, being able to to like be accepted and join like the culture now mm-hmm. through through his through his own culture and like that alone got me like so worked up you know it was a um, i had a very similar experience just to kind of add on to that with uh, with the black panther movie mm-hmm. a few years ago just seeing um a character that was written with the intention of promoting uh just just having a, a superhero that was not a stereotype yeah it was just a superhero who also just looks like me and having that portrayed on the big screen and having it be as successful as it was and having it be as um just commercially renowned as it was was like a big moment for me as well so just to kind of speak to that experience it's so cool to finally be able to see that um what diversity means and uh just the general public has, has been is has moved past just you know, having maybe a supporting character yeah. to yeah. be, you know, a person of color. Yeah. It, it has moved into telling the stories of people of color mm-hmm. authentically uh, with no lengths yeah. on top of it. Yeah. You know? it's, it, it's stories not just because they are people of color, but it is stories about real genuine people who just happen to be people yeah, of color exactly. instead of focusing on that. One of, the, one of the philosophies I heard when I was younger, which I think helped me a lot as a person, was that a good story is not written based on someone's like gender, whatever, whatever, or skin color, but a good story is written and that person could be anything. And it's and they, and it's, like, it's like the story of them and themselves, like they can make it as that. Mm-hmm. Like if you have a black main character and the story is fantastic, like great. Like there's so many avenues where I feel like, I feel like this is really touchy, but like politics can get into, get in the way of things. Yeah. I remember when, what was it, the second Captain America movie came out, and they introduced uh, Falcon. And I remember people were talking about, like, oh, this is just, like, the black sidekick friend character. And then Falcon the Soldier, or uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier came out. And I loved I loved it. I thought Falcon was great. I, I think his name's Sam Wilson, the character. But it's nice seeing him get, he got his own TV show now. Mm-hmm. And seeing how we're progressing as society into, like, it's not just you have to have the straight white guy author that we've had, but now like even with Star Wars, they've been adding women into a lot of the directing and producing positions and all that stuff. And the inclusion that we're growing as a society has been really nice. And I think we can only hope that that wave kind of, you know, a rising tide carries all ships. Yeah. And we, we hope that esports and our, you know, tiny little bubble of collegiate esports in particular is included in that rising tide. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will say though, Black Panther has one of my favorite quotes from it. <laughs> it's when he resurfaces kind of and he shows up to fight Killmonger the second time. Mm-hmm. His like line is like 
I didn't yield, and as you can see, I'm not dead. <laughs> and he's like just <laughs> pumped up, and it's one of my favorite parts of the movie. Mm-hmm. It's one of my. It's like the only Marvel line that like I will like always repeat to myself. <laughs> and, as uh, you can see, I am not dead. <laughs> yeah. no, just, it's just it, like, <laughs> yeah, just that. The fact that it was as good of a movie as it was, well, again, just telling the authentic, telling an authentically black story yeah is what you know gives it a special place in my heart and what kind of gave me that moment mm-hmm. um that you kind of shared about you know what travis went through watching shang chi was just it, it was just a relief you yeah. know it was, it was yeah. a sigh of, of relief and just happiness overall yeah it's a, wow. it's a very special thing yeah wow i mean i i think that was that about sums it up uh, for what we have to offer for diversity in esports, I think more than anything, yeah. it's it's great to just bring it up as a topic, bring it to people's yeah. awareness, and start the discussion going. Uh, which brings us to our next topic, which is professionalism in collegiate esports. Which this covers. <laughs> we just went from like yeah. peer emotion <laughs> to now professionalism. Like Listen, and I'm, somebody's got to keep the show I, going. I know, okay? but I'm like sitting here, just like wiping my eyes, just like. <laughs> It's beautiful, like everything's getting so much better and we're all able to hold hands and move forward. No, back to will work. <laughs> back to will work. Yeah, back I'm an English will major, work. by the will way. Will go work. <laughs> uh, which this covers a very wide umbrella of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, DQs, reschedules, and overall lackluster communication are, the I think, the main three pillars of what makes up a lack of professionalism in collegiate esports and something that, again – much like diversity, really needs to be worked on by pretty much everyone in the space. Mm, absolutely. Um, you know, it's a, it's a bit nitpicky because our match getting uh, rescheduled this week was just a matter of a miscommunication be- yeah. between teams. But overall, there is just a prevailing sense uh, across, at least in my experience mm-hmm. uh, with Overwatch, of just a lack of professionalism. You know, waiting to the last moment to reach out before matches. Um, handling yourself as a player in your matches yeah. in regards to like you touched on earlier the respect that you show the team that you're playing mm-hmm. um just lackluster communication across the board to, to an extreme extent uh are all really big issues that you know if esports wants to be as wants to be taken as seriously as you know the big four and other more traditional sports this is something that we all need to work on yeah. you know it's such a major thing and I mean, to speak a little bit on the league perspective of bad communication, uh, like I talk about all the time, uh, in North America, our amateur teams and our collegiate teams are the worst scrim partners of all time. There are a few good eggs in there who everything runs smoothly, whatever, but the vast majority of scrim partners, you can expect them to be late. You can expect them to have a last minute substitute that they don't tell you about, uh, once you're actually in the lobby you can expect you know all sorts of potential like bm or just really off color weird comments in the lobby mm-hmm. um and then you finish your first game in scrims right uh our team aquinas league has recently started you know doing mini reviews to try to touch on some points in between games so you know going into the next game let's work on this or whatever or here here's a clue a few quick points that we can work on uh, and sometimes you'll get other teams that are like, guys, we, we don't got all day, like hurry up. <laughs> and, and it's just like, chill. Like, we're just trying to have good practices and good professional practices. Uh, and a lot of teams are just completely unprofessional in the way they handle it. And then sometimes you'll whoop them two games. You'll have it scheduled for like, we're playing three games today. And then they'll be like, yeah, like our player's house is on fire. Like we have to go. <laughs> <laughs> like they'll make up some BS excuse and then leave Top the lane has headaches. Sorry. It, I mean, we've heard all sorts yeah, of stuff we, uh, we've, for teams. We've heard the scrims. variety, like, oh, sorry, like ADC went to the bathroom, hasn't come back, or Top has a headache, or like, <laughs> oh, yeah, someone's power went out. Sorry, we have to cancel. <laughs> Dog ate my homework. Like, yeah, it, there's it's, no it's difference. It's literally that. It's... <sighs> Especially as the guy that scheduled these games, by the way. The only, this is the only way that I am happy with the scrim. It's either if they're in the same time zone, I know the coach or the player that I scheduled it with, or someone I know scheduled it with their with their player or coach. So oh. it's either by association of myself or someone I know. Because I cannot tell you how many times I've scheduled the teams and I'm like, oh by the way, just so we're clear, like the scrim posting is seven PM 
Eastern Standard Time, EST. And they go, oh, could you guys do 9 p.m.? It's like, no, that's no. two hours away from my scheduled time. Yeah. I didn't post 7 to 9. I said 7. And, like, all of the issues that I described are assuming the scrim actually goes through, which half of these teams that you're scheduling scrims with will hit you up with a Discord message or something 30 minutes in advance and be like, sorry, scrim's canceled. We can't make it anymore. And then they'll go scrim another team. Yeah. Which is ridiculous. That's so awful. <laughs> They're like mm. trying to be like, oh, we want the best scrim partner. And it's like, <laughs> you guys are probably playing two games, getting raffle stomped. You're not watching <laughs> anything that happens after each match to see what you failed on so you could learn in the next game. Like you, people are not getting quality out of their practices because we used to just full run. Like yeah. we would just go game, 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 game. And then we would talk not about VOD reviewing. And then we started VOD reviewing, but even then it wasn't after the games, and it was just like group discussion. Coach Zoo came in, we started taking 10, 15 minutes after each match to then start figuring out what we did wrong and moving on to how can we improve. Like when we went into our games yesterday versus Lords, like we had two big things that we've been struggling with on our practices. And so one of the big things was we're doing one thing at a time. Because we'll talk and talk and try to like spread ourselves across the map. But like Coach Sue was like, all right, this is your goal. Like, I want you to focus on this. You are working on one thing at a time, and that's it. And we talked about it after our first game against Lords. And it's being process oriented. And I'd love to, in a future episode, really go in depth because I, as a writer, as someone who's interested in writing, at some point I want to write a full blown like research essay about. Why is the gaming community so obsessed with the grind, which is really just an extremely unhealthy process that doesn't even help you improve as much as being methodical and being professional about it? Hmm. Uh, so that's a whole other topic for a different time. But that basically sums up the bad communication. That's not even factoring in DQs, and, and we touched on reschedules. But disqualifications <laughs> in collegiate leagues and in collegiate massage, matches are completely out of control. Hmm. Yeah, no. Um, we just... On the Overwatch team, we just made a, a roster swap. And, you know, coming into the end of our last semester, we were playing in uh, three leagues, which was is too many. Um, <laughs> and again, that kind of harkens back to, uh, you know, the whole scheduling thing being yeah. a master. We personally having to, uh, having to schedule <laughs> up four minimum matches a week, sometimes more, was interesting. But, uh, you know, if you could imagine, you know, our team is all grinding all year. After four matches a week for two and a half months, we make playoffs in two of our three leagues. The first playoff match doesn't go the way that we wanted to. And after, um, er, while preparing for the the second playoff match, we had one of our own players get banned, just like on ladder, mm -hmm. can't log into your account, just kind of standard. Um, but as a result of that and the timing of it, we couldn't end up playing our second playoff match yeah and again it's just kind of just speaks to the general level of man some people in the collegiate space it's just like it's it's there's no there's not a strong enough concept of like okay we are all in this not all of us as like our team but all of us as a community mm -hmm. we are all in this for the greater overall success of esports we all want esports to make it or else we wouldn't be a part of the community yeah. yeah and you know that starts with us individually and we all need to be able to um keep it together and you know put forward put our best foot forward in every situation or else if we can't get that far and you know we can't get our matches scheduled and we can't have, get through a scrim without you know, throwing BM in the chat, you know, teabagging somebody. It's like, how are we ever going to make it beyond that? Mm -hmm. I honestly forgot teabagging was a thing for a long while just because I only played League for so long. Yeah. Oh. And I remember getting into Overwatch beta, and I was like, why is this guy crouching? Now? Oh, that's right. Because yep. I came from, because I used to play Halo all the time as a child. And oh my goodness, that was so, so much there. Yeah. You know, feels like we have to like reverse the toxic and unprofessional history of, of esports one step at a time. Right, oh, we're right. getting there, I think. Yeah, I mean, it, it's there's, not going to be easy. It's well, going to be a process. There's also no way for us to really gauge it. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not quantifiable. Yeah, exactly. It's like a general vibe. Yeah, which you can't like you know these guys felt toxic or whatever. Yeah, because I mean? like when you text in a, a chat box, like you don't know if they're like joking or serious yeah like if and i so say it, if i say gg in all caps does that mean 
I'm really excited that we played a good game? Or uh-huh. does that mean, like, good game, like, you idiots, like, we just stomped you? Or, or like, when at the start so of much a... ambiguity. Or, like, the start of a practice when you see someone say, good luck, have fun, do you immediately get threatened? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, it, 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 that's one of the frustrating parts about it is, you know, it is not quantifiable yeah. at all. It is just a vibe, like you guys said. Mm-hmm. But with that comes the realization that you can only control yourself. You can only yeah. control what you do. Mm-hmm. So if you're contributing to that, then Stop it's it. like, yeah. Yeah, right. Stop, <laughs> Stop it. Get, it. Some, Get help. some help. Yeah. <laughs> like like it, it just, all you can do is control yourself. So it's really frustrating where, you know, you run into players who just seem physically incapable of <laughs> not using text chat every yeah. 15 seconds. You know? <laughs> And I mean, I think uh, unless you have anything extra to add, Will, I think that's a great note to end our discussion on for today. I was definitely the salty Overwatch player that when they implemented the system would spam GG easy because they would do all like the random prompts and all that stuff. Like, sorry, guys, mom said I have to go to bed or stuff like that. Oh, I thought that was the funniest thing in the world. Like, I would even spam it to just my team and not even all chat. Like, I was just like, GG easy, guys, GG easy. And just be like, hey, guys, sorry, I have to go take medicine or something like yeah. that. I, I love that stuff so much. But yeah, I think, yeah, that, that about wraps it, it up. Yeah. Thank mm-hmm. you everybody for tuning into the podcast this week. I understand that it was kind of more of a serious, uh, serious podcast to note, but yeah, but I, I think all the discussion was super valuable. Uh, thank you, Devin, for, for coming on and all that you contributed to today's episode. Of course, if you guys uh, want to see more of the podcast and more of Aquinas Esports in general, follow our Twitter at Aquinas Esports. Uh, go follow us on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Aquinas Esports. And if you like the podcast and want to talk about it, maybe you want to ask us some questions, give some feedback, all that's appreciated. Uh, use the hashtag AQDiff on Twitter, and uh, I'm sure we'll be looking at that and, and taking note. Yeah. Uh, shout out your uh, Twitter, Devin. Oh, uh, follow me on Twitter at DevKindaNiceFR, for real. Um, <laughs> follow me on Twitch at PicoOW, and that's pretty much all I got. All right, and as usual, you have... Uh, me at stevenator 546 on twitter and will i'm at, at high armor class hi armor class all right uh, and thank you everybody for tuning in catch you next week see you guys